Hello, everyone. My name's Andrew. And I'm Suzanne. And this is the Culips English Podcast. You're listening to Simplified Speech, the Culips series, which features clear, natural, and easy to understand English conversations about interesting topics. And today I am joined by my co host, Suzanne. Hello, Suzanne. Hey, Andrew. Hey, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. Suzanne, you have a very interesting topic prepared for us today. Could you let everyone know what we're going to be talking about? Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about emotional support animals, and they're called ESAs for short. This is a fantastic topic. It's very cute. And Suzanne, I know that you love animals just like I do, and we both have dogs. So I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about what an emotional support animal is and how or if our pups could become one. But before we get into our topic, why don't we remind all of our listeners about the study guide for this episode? Sure. So, guys, you know, we make study guides and transcripts for all of our episodes, and they are designed by our team of expert English teachers to help you build your English skills and reach your English learning goals faster. So, as a Culips member, you'll also get some sweet bonuses like invitations to our monthly live streams, full access to our member only Fluency Files series. And more. So to become a Culips member, just visit culips.com and sign up. Suzanne, I liked what you just said there. You said that if you're a Culips member, you'll get some sweet bonuses. Now, I think a lot of our listeners will know sweet used to describe food, right? Like a sweet piece of cake. And they might also know the word sweet to describe somebody's personality, like he's such a sweet person. But that's not what a sweet bonus is, right? Like, what does sweet mean in the context that you used it just a second ago? Yes. Sweet, in this case, is a slang word used to describe something that you find wonderful, that is great, that is an excellent thing. So maybe you're in line to see a movie and your friend hands you the ticket and you're like, oh, I'll pay you back. He's like, no, I got it. Oh, sweet. Thanks. Right. It's like a nice little gift, a wonderful occurrence. So you can use that for those instances. I think, though, that we might be showing our age by using this expression because I have a feeling the kids these days are not saying sweet too often. No. <laughs> I hear a lot of young people say bussin'. That's bussin'. Bussin'. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say bussin'. So that's the same. It, we have some bussin' bonuses, and that's some alliteration for you. So we can go with that, too. Good stuff. Okay, well, anyways, why don't we change the topic and get into our main topic for today, which is emotional support animals. And Suzanne, I have a lot to learn here because I actually don't know too much about emotional support animals. So maybe you can teach not only our listeners about them, but also me at the same time. And I think 
maybe we should start by just defining exactly what an emotional support animal is, or as you said, ESAs, right? So, what exactly is an ESA? It's an animal that is allowed on planes or trains or any kind of public transportation that is there to be your companion, maybe to support you if you have anxiety or if you have a medical need for an animal support. It can be a cat, it can be a dog. I've even seen small ponies. Which we'll get into later in a minute. An emotional support pony. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> Now, I can imagine that that would make a great companion. Ponies are very cute and sweet, and could probably be very supportive in somebody's life. But I can't imagine taking a pony on a plane. That seems a little difficult to believe. Yes, I've never seen an actual pony on a plane. I have seen a service pony, and we should talk about that—the difference between a service animal and an emotional support animal. So, usually, a pony is going to be used as a service animal, not so much an emotional support animal. When you have a service animal, you have an animal that is trained to assist you. Because you have a disability, so for example, maybe you are blind, or maybe you need help with mobility, or moving, or picking up things, or like I said, seeing in traffic as you cross the street. So those animals are trained in a very specific way to help for a medical purpose. And they do more than just accompany you as a companion. They actually provide a service. So that's a service animal. An emotional support animal is really there to provide emotional support. They are trained. They are usually calm animals, so they're not behaving badly and trying to run away. For example, they are. There to really calm you, bring you peace and ease in your travel. So maybe if you are a nervous traveler or have some anxiety, it could be something to look into. Having an emotional support animal to help you simply feel more at ease in your travel. So Suzanne, are ESAs mostly to do with travel? Or can you use them in your everyday life as well? Because, of course, there are some people who have a specific kind of travel anxiety. But I can imagine that there are people with a more general kind of anxiety, and maybe they would want to have their support animal with them when they go to the supermarket, or when they take a class at university, or even if they go to the cafe. This kind of thing. Are ESAs allowed to accompany their owners in these kinds of contexts as well, or is it just about travel? It really depends on the establishment. So there's not a blanketed rule or one universal rule where, okay, as long as you have this paperwork done, you're good to go. It doesn't work that way. You would need to contact the school, maybe the university, and 
establish some kind of understanding, maybe register the animal and get some sort of clearance. It really depends. Sometimes they only allow service animals and they don't allow emotional support animals. So you just need to clarify with the company or with the establishment. Once you do have the paperwork, they do sell little harnesses that have emotional support animal written on it. So at least as you're walking through the world, people know don't touch this animal. This animal is working. Service animals, like I said, have a different job and they are allowed almost everywhere. Okay. So it's not one of those things like I got the paperwork and now my dog can accompany me everywhere. It's kind of still up to the business or the airline or the organization to have a rule about whether they can accommodate ESAs or not. Exactly. Okay, very interesting. So I live in South Korea, and I don't really think this is a thing over here. It might be, and I might be wrong about that. And if I am, our Korean listeners can correct me, please. But as far as I know, I haven't really heard about ESAs in Korea. But I'm curious about Canada. Is this something that you've noticed a lot in Canada? Like, is it common these days for people to travel around with their ESAs? Well, I haven't traveled so much in the past few years. But yes, I do know a few friends here that also have animals that they travel with in the cabin of the plane. And so I also should clarify, when you have an emotional support animal, they are allowed in the cabin of the plane with you. So instead of them having to go below with the baggage, they are able to be with you in your seat or in your aisle. So I have seen an uptick or an increase in people using emotional support animals. And I don't always know if they're really needing one or if they just don't want their animal to be underneath the plane. That's always a question, you know? Yeah, you know, as a dog owner myself, I would love to take my dog to Canada with me, but unfortunately that flight is very long and he's an old dog and the thought of him being in the baggage section, the cargo section of the airplane for like 10 hours, I just can't really do that to him. I think that would be too mean to put him through that experience. I would love it if he could sit on my lap for the whole way. That would be great. But I don't think I really qualify for an emotional support animal, but I could see that maybe some people would try and register their dog as an ESA just to avoid that exact situation. Do you think that some people do do that? Yes, I do think people work the system, as we say, right? Bend the rules and maybe file paperwork that maybe isn't totally accurate just so that they could bring their animal with them. But that brings me to what you need in order to have an ESA with you. Yes. So Suzanne, you have some insider information here for us because you're actually going through the process of registering your puppy, Skoshi, as an emotional support animal. And I think you're going to be going to France. Is that correct? Sometime 
in the summer, maybe? Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Totally. Going to France this summer. So we're finally having our wedding and it's going to be in France this summer. We have had to do a lot of paperwork for this whole process. But one of the things that we've needed to do paperwork for is for Scoshi to be an emotional support animal. And we needed a paper from a psychologist, a therapist, so someone who is an official, you know, social worker, someone that is taking care of you, that can vouch for you. And I, you know, since the pandemic have had some anxiety with traveling, but also I had some health issues this year that have given me more anxiety to travel, definitely qualify for that. And so I needed a paper and a form, a letter from this psychologist saying, yes, my client, my patient qualifies for this service. And then I also needed to take Skoshi to the vet and he had to get tests and measured and weighed and officially stamped that he's okay to fly and get a letter from the vet as well to the airline. We're flying on a Canadian airline and they require paperwork letters from your therapist or social worker or psychologist and letters from your vet and yourself as well, verifying things. And then you send it to them after you buy your tickets and then they approve your animal and then they work with you to make arrangements. And the thing is, guys, this is the hard part, is that you have to buy a seat for them. So Skoshi needs his own seat. Yes. So Skoshi won't be actually allowed to sit in the seat, but he sits at the foot of the seat. Okay. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like even though he can't sit in the seat, he's occupying that leg room area, which would be pretty uncomfortable for somebody that was trying to sit in that seat, right? So I think that's fair that they make you do that. It kind of sucks on your end that you have to pay for the extra ticket, but I can see it from both sides, I suppose. Yeah, I think that if it wasn't our wedding and it was just a simple vacation, we would probably leave Skoshi home with our dog sitter because he's happy to do that too. But because he is an older dog now and I just would feel better bringing him in the cabin with us than being underneath the plane. But yeah, it's expensive, right? It's an expensive trip in that sense. Sounds expensive and also like it's not too easy to do. You have a lot of boxes to check before it's possible. So I guess in that sense, also it's good because I feel like that is a way that the fakers can be weeded out. If you just say like, oh, I need my dog for emotional support, but you don't really, you just want to have your dog with you. Well, then you're not going to be able to get that note from the healthcare professional and maybe from the vet and maybe you won't have that letter to submit to the airline. So that could possibly separate like the real people who need help and need their support animal with them and the people like me who love their animals but actually don't need them for emotional support. Yeah, exactly. The effort it takes to do all the paperwork 
and also will be flying to Europe. So besides the emotional support component, he has to have an exam 10 days before we fly. And then I have to bring all of the paperwork to the official vet of Quebec and have it stamped for immigration purposes as well. (laughs) So it's like a dog passport in a way. It's a very complicated process, but it's interesting to hear about. Suzanne, final question here for you before we wrap things up, at least here for the regular episode. We will keep things going a little bit longer for our members-only bonus content, but final question for the regular episode here is, what kind of a traveler is Skoshi? Maybe you haven't flown with him before, I don't know, but you've probably driven with him a lot. When he's in the car, what kind of behavior does he show? Does he like sleep or is he really hyper and active or is he nervous? Like what is his personality like when traveling? That's a great question. And that's a good way of telling if your dog or animal can fly is how they are in a car. And he's super chill, just kind of closes his eyes. He's bobbing to the car rhythm and he just chills. I'm jealous because my dog Pinky is not chill. He is like a pacer. Our dog doesn't know how to relax. Like even at home, he doesn't sit or lie down very often. He's always like standing up unless he's sleeping. I don't know if that's like a past trauma that he has or why he does that. But we've tried traveling with him once on a short train trip. And we've also taken a few car trips with him. And he just won't sit down. He's always trying to stand up and walk around and pace. And it's not good for traveling because like if you're on a bullet train, he can fall. So yeah, unfortunately, he's not the best traveler, which is why I don't think he would make a good ESA, unfortunately. But it sounds like Skoshi is a much better candidate. Yeah, he's very chill. Sometimes we find he's too chill and we try to get him to, come on, alley up, come on, get going. But sometimes we're grateful that he is so chill. In those kinds of instances, it's a good thing. It's a pro on the list. So he's very chill in the car. So hopefully he will be the same in a plane. Fingers crossed. (laughs) So Suzanne, can we revisit this topic a little bit later in the summer after your trip and you're back home and you can give us an update about what kind of ESA Scotia turned out to be? Totally. That's a great idea. That's a really good idea. The Adventures of Skoshi. (laughs) (laughs) We'll look forward to part two then a little bit later in the year. But I think for now, everyone, we're going to wrap things up. So we really want to thank you for spending some time here with us today to practice your English with us. We really do appreciate it. And as I said, we're going to keep our conversation going just a little bit longer for our members as a way to say thank you to all of you who support us. So if you're a QLips member, please remember that you can get the ad-free version of this episode by logging into your QLips account and going to the dashboard. And in the ad-free version, that's also where you'll hear the bonus content. Yeah, and of course, if you're not already a member, consider joining to gain 
access to all of our bus-in bonuses, and they really are helpful study guides and transcripts. And it also helps to support the show. But that's not the only way that you could support us. You could also show your support by following us on Instagram or YouTube, telling your friends who are learning English to check QLibs out, or by leaving us a five-star rating and a positive review on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back with a brand new episode soon, and we'll talk to you all then. Goodbye. Bye, guys.